0: This week's episode is brought to you by Nathan McKinnon. Man, this is it a lot more fun to watch the avalanche with him on the ice? it by And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're listening to Burgundy Radio for February 19th, 2018. The Mostly Weekly Colorado Avalanche Podcast from BurgundyRainbow.com. Coming up on the show, the Injury God is Relentless, plus a fiasco in Winnipeg, and the trade deadline looms. But before we play the whoosh, let's meet your disembodied voices for the week. Joining us, as always, is Earl. Hey, Earl.
1: Hello, friends.
0: And joining us, as almost always, is Tiger Vixen. Hey, Jackie. Hello. And that's all we got this week. Just, uh, just a two for So we start with a little housekeeping this week. I mentioned the other week to watch out for some fun on the trade deadline, which is next Monday, February 26th, and we'll be hanging out live in the Voice GDT channel on the main Burgundy Rainbow Discord pretty much all day, several of us off and on. I don't want to confirm anyone specifically, but several BR staff have mentioned wanting to drop by here and there. So we'll be watching the deadline news, laughing at trades and the lack thereof, And, and then after everything settles down... We're planning to record next week's show live, so come hang out, have some fun. We'll be open to live chat questions and probably mad at the avalanche. So now back into the past week. On Wednesday, Avs win 2-0 over the Montreal Canadiens. A 44 save shutout from your best friend Semyon Varlamov. Carl Soderberg and Alexander Kerfoot got the Avs on the board. And Gabriel Bork's hot month continued as he added an assist. But yeah, 44 save shutout. Then, on Friday, Avs fall 6-1 in Winnipeg to the Jets. Miko Rantanen in with a shutout breaker late in the third. This game sucked. Maybe we'll get to it in a minute. Um, finally, on Sunday, the Avs just finished losing to Edmonton by a final score of Avalanche 2, Oilers 1, Connor McDavid 3. Again, getting outshot 40-26. Tyson Joe scored a great one, and Kerfoot added a second off his lower stomach slash crotch region. I'm really not sure if that was a belly goal or a cup goal. It could have been either one, but it's not enough to cover for losing both anton Lindholm and Eric Johnson to injury that's uh that's, that's pretty not good
1: yeah, that was um, that was a bad collapse. um you know if you look at the chart from that game, you know it was it was sort of back and forth most of the first period. then the Avs went on a great run and uh, you know, it it was it was it was feeling pretty good. I mean they they got out shot pretty bad in the first period and they they totally turned it around and then they got a power play. And we all know what happens when you get a power play. <laughs> you bad things. Up. Yeah. And they didn't get scored on, which is kind of nice and fun. Um, but it just, it really killed their momentum. And from there it kind of went sideways again for a while. And then the Oilers just took over and, and just the, the whole game went to shit. Um, you know, I, I've written a little bit about the power play recently and, and it, what, what I'm really mad about is the fact that there's just not a lot of response, uh, not so much out of the players, but out of the staff, as far as. Uh, you know shaking things up you know I, I don't know if personnel is what needs to be shaken up I, th- I think it, you know you may as well Um, uh, but there just doesn't seem to be any different tactics being used or anything like that it's just sort of the same thing every time and it's not working and I you know I think that might be frustrating the players that are out there so
2: yeah, um, yeah there's I think there's kind of a lot to unpack here with the power play and it was pretty clear that in this game as Especially when they had one with well, go, did they even get one shot on goal? Did they even attempt one shot? Maybe, maybe one in the whole yeah, power I mean, play.
1: I know they had one in the first one in the in the first period. Um, you know, it's just
2: I just mean it, it was such a
1: it was such a contrast. You know, when you see the the Oilers with the worst power play in the NHL had a power play right after the Avs did in the first period, and they got five shots on goal.
0: Colorado yes. had one power play shot on goal, and it was saved. And okay. That, all
1: right. And so that did happen in the first. So the one in the second and the one Gerard's in late in the shot. game. It, it might have been. Yeah, and, that, and the one that was late in the third. Neither of those, they got a shot on goal.
2: Okay, um, I didn't think so. Did they even get a shot attempt?
1: No, that's shot on goal.
2: I know, but I'm asking. Did they even get a shot attempt in that last power play? Did, did anybody even another shoot another it? <laughs>
0: I'll have to pull, can pull up the site up. to look. I've
1: almost got it. You, you do. I think maybe one. Um, uh, no, they did not have any... I don't know. T- <laughs> natural stat trick is, one... is only showing... Yeah. Yeah, they're only showing... They're showing nothing for either team.
0: They they show one Corsi 4 for Colorado in the first period, 5-on-4, and they show six for Edmonton in the first period, 5-on-4, and nothing else. Yeah. So I don't... I don't know if that's tabulated fully yet. Yeah. Well, either either way, if there's
2: one, but we're not missing many here, so there could be one, but how you have a, a power play with less than 5 minutes to go <clears throat> and nobody shoots the puck. That yeah. that's just mind boggling and um it <laughs> that that's where I get in like I totally agree that they need to kind of break up maybe the structure. i I definitely the personnel, I think having the McKinnon line together on the same unit is not a good idea. I think for whatever reason, when those three get together, they try to make it too pretty. They need so they need somebody that'll go for rebounds. They need somebody. That will shoot it, that will create you know, chaos or movement or something. And I think the second unit moves it better, but then nobody shoots either. So that doesn't help. And it shouldn't be up to the defenseman to take the shot. Like, the forwards need to be shooting most of the time.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's one of the huge problems I see, and and this is a huge problem with the Rampages power play as well, is that they don't get a lot of chances um, from between the dots, and a lot of their a lot of their shooting is very perimeter, and that's fine, you know, it's like if you're shooting if you're getting it to McKinnon, and he has a pretty wide open shot from, you know, the ov spot if you want to call it that, that that's a good perimeter shot to take, but um, if if you're doing that constantly that's that's not a, a really high percentage way uh, of generating good scoring chances. You really need your your grade A chances to come from in the slot and right in front of the net.
2: and I know and they like to
1: they're j- they're to, just not they're not getting guys that pass it into that area effectively.
2: and I know they try to get that three consecutive passes back to that's right there, kind of in the center. and they like to they like to pass it there, but it's like, you need about three clean passes to make that play. And then sometimes they get a nice cross ice pass and then they don't shoot. It's like, how do you think you're going to get a better look than that?
1: Yeah. I've seen that a ton with, with both yak and, and Miko on the right side is a lot of times the pass will go where they have to take it on their backhand and they can't shoot it obviously that way. Um, So that's, I, you know, I, I know the defensemen make it tough to make cross ice passes like that, but that's that's somewhat of a receiver error. Um, you need to be able to, you know, be able to run around that a little bit and and get it on your forehand really quickly. Um, but it's it's just it, I see a lot of back passing, and that that that's led to some grade a chances the other way. Um, they spend a lot of time above the circles with the puck, which is you know, I mean it's safe um, which is great, but it it's it's not it's not doing anything for you. It's just taking up time. Um, I, I think they just play they play a very conservative power play right now, and it's very safe. And you you play like that, you're just not going to generate a lot of chances,
2: and I think they keep trying to shoot it in, too, which which is nice. You have McKinnon, you have Ranton and especially on the first unit. They can they could definitely make those sniper type goals, but that if they can't get it or if that's not open, then it's kinda of like, well, there there went the power play. Like, you know, they try to set up comfort like that on the second unit. He's not exactly McKinnon. You know, but just the team as a whole, they never go for those kind of rebound goals. They just don't play that way.
1: Yeah, I, I mean... Sometimes you get I little to it,
2: but other than that...
1: The the guy that can make the biggest difference is the guy that, you know, if you look at the power play setup as a cross, it's the guy that's in the middle of the cross, the guy that's right in the middle of the slot, and, and either getting rebounds to him, or just getting a quick pass in there uh, before the defense is totally set up to defend it, is a good way to get grade A scoring chances in there, and it's... Um, they don't really have a guy that's really good at that. I think Jost could be, and he's shown ability to, you know, to do some good things from that area, but, you know, he's a rookie, and it's just, you know, it's sort of a speed thing with him. Um, I I think he he could be very good from that area in the future, but it's just, that's the kind of place where you need someone who's very skilled with shooting very quickly.
2: Like, maybe you'd even try Miko there, maybe? Because he can... (sighs) He could shoot quickly. like I agree, Jost, Jost has the shot and the release to do it, and I think he scored like that a couple times, but it's just it's the matter of, of standing your ground in there and being able to get to those pucks sometimes, too.
1: Well, and a nice side effect from shooting there is that it's not a self-clearing kind of shot like you get from sort of wide-angle shots like they take all the time. Usually when you shoot it there, even if you miss... Um, you know, at worst, the guy's behind the net, sort of the the retriever dude, is going to be able to get to it quickly. So you generally you take a shot from there. You're going to get the puck back and and probably get another scoring chance right away.
0: Why do that when uh, you can shoot from the point off a shin guard and past the blue one? Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, I see the you know the mentality is shoot from the point and hope that that guy that's in the slot or the dude that's behind the net um Comes up with it quickly and could and get a secondary chance like that, but it's just uh, there, there's so much more that can get wrong when you're further out like that. I just I, I don't like that. And I, I know that both Eric vayu and, and and Jared Bednar slash Ray Bennett seem to like that philosophy, and it's just it, unless you have like a PK suban just you know lighting bombs off from there. It's it's just a, it's a silly waste of a, a puck. Um. But, you know, I mean, it's tough for us to sit here and criticize professionals about their job like that. But, you know, any of us can see that whatever they're doing isn't working.
2: And I and I put it on the players some that they, they lose pucks lo- along the wall a lot. They The inability to shoot, that, that's on them too. So it is a kind of a combination of things. And, and that you're never going to score on every power play. I, I think in this last stretch they've had – some where they had decent movement, and I I don't think it killed them with that. Like, I, I do kind of buy into the momentum thing a little bit, but then when you're having a power play and they're not shooting, that's especially that late in the game. It's just, it's like nobody wants to be that guy. It's just that, that kind of gets, um, kind of gets into it its own problem down the road is that, is that, the confidence level's low, and and then the guys aren't shooting, and it just kind of snowballs from there,
1: yeah, I think it's definitely a feedback loop like that. Um, you know because it's been I think sixteen or seventeen games now, whatever the halfway point of the the ten game winning streak was, from that point to here, you've gone five for fifty one on the power play. Um, <clears throat> you know five for fifty one, that's bad. That's less than ten percent. You know that that happens. you know teams go through streaks like that. Um, But it's like we're we're nearing the point where this is like almost a fifth of the season that they've been on on a skid like this, and it just <clears throat> if you're a coaching staff, you can't you know you really can't let ten games go by and not change something like that. I just I, I realize that you know you kind of have to trust in your guys and you know and, and hope they're going to be able to execute better if if you just get them more practice or change a few you know little tweaks. But um, you know again it's it's th- this is. You're getting close to 20 games not having an effective power play, and you're falling down the standings because of it. So, um, you know, I just I really think it's something they need to address with with more than what they've been doing.
0: Yeah, in action is action, and yeah, I, you you can't have your response to a fourth of the season with no special teams results whatsoever, and have and have your response be this is fine, like that's. That that's not gonna work yeah uh, so um these two have had me ha- keeping an eye on twitter for uh injury news specifically um as we're going here because they're both a couple of distracted by shiny things people apparently <laughs>
1: i'm and, just old
2: uh, you all get my undivided attention
0: <laughs> and uh, and this uh this from jj jerez kind of sums up what uh well, I've been hearing reporters say too, which is not sure what I'm allowed and not allowed to report on what I see, but I will just say I'm pessimistic on what the results will be for EJ's injury, and uh, AJ Haefeli saw uh, his, his left arm wrapped up, um, and it just, it, we, there's like, that's not all the details, but that's all they're reporting publicly, publicly, and it does not sound, uh sound great, but. Obviously, I'm sure if you listen to the post game show, I'm. Sh- I didn't, but I'm positive that Bender probably said that he doesn't know and hasn't talked to the training staff yet. So um, I haven't talked to was the trainers yet.
2: Kind of interesting because they didn't talk about it at all.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Did do you think altitude uh, truncated that, or nobody asked him? <laughs> well,
2: nobody asked him because he had to bring it up. at the
0: because they know. like eh, we they know what he's going to
1: say. And... Yeah. <laughs>
0: they know what he's going to say. And... They know he's just going to say, "Eh, yeah. well, I don't know, yeah.
2: Sorry. Well, no, I understand that, but it was, you know, in talking about what happened in the third period, I know that as an excuse, but it was a huge part of what happened. I I just found it odd is all like I understand the the pressures you're not going to get any real insights but to me it felt really odd it was almost like everyone was pretending there wasn't an injury and um and uh, and like I said it's not that nobody had information about it which is perfectly understandable it's that nobody really acknowledged it happened which I don't know it was just it was a weird presser to me and Bender didn't like the way they played, which I I agree with his points. The first period wasn't great. There were things that they've been doing the last few weeks that keep popping up. But that third period was about one thing, and that was about EJ going down. And it's not an excuse. They have issues regardless, but that third period doesn't happen if they have EJ.
1: (sighs) I I mean I I sort of agree with that, but you know there there was a lot of that third period that harkened back to a lot of what we've seen over the last ten fifteen games. Um, but
2: it's not to being... that degree,
1: I mean, just I, yeah, I mean, no, I I totally agree that there was sort of a a deflation there for sure, but it, it it that just sort of amplified the the poor aspects of the way they've been playing over the last ten to fifteen games. They've you know, they've not they've not been able to, you know, control the puck, um, generate a lot of scoring chances. Um you know, I, I, I know a lot of people thought that Mac coming back was gonna fix a lot of things, and I, I think it could, but um, there, there were a lot of systemic issues that weren't going well before he left. So um and sure, some I mean, of it this, was not
2: getting the puck deep. I think, I think on one of the goals, Nieto and maybe it was Soderbergh, but it was definitely Nieto and one other just – they had the puck in the offensive zone and they just completely just lost it. And that yeah. led to one of the goals again. So, yeah, things like that where it's, there's no excuse why you're on the offensive zone and you can't control the puck.
1: And this is something I was going to ask you guys about. Like, had, I think after the Winnipeg game, um, Bednar was talking about, they, he thought they played pretty well in the second and third period of that game. Um, which, they, I mean, you know, if you, if you look at the numbers, they kind of did. But he said that, you know, mistakes were killing them. And I did, you know, I've been kind of thinking about that for the past couple of days. And I, I think a lot of that is when you're not playing well, when you're not playing the right way to control the game, that mistakes are a lot likely a lot more likely to kill your game. And it's not really mistakes, it's just playing bad in general.
2: One thing um, he's talking a lot about is is the compete, the coming out ready to play, the the hunger, I guess he said you want it bad enough. you know he kind of went down that path today, which, is something. I mean, he's there's been talking there's a definitely lot about. a little of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate and, using that excuse, but there is some of that.
2: And yeah, and I I don't think it's quite the right word for it because I don't think there's any question that those guys want to make the playoffs and and are coming to the rink and coming to the games, wanting to try their best and and things like that. So that's why I think like Kimpel is. Uh, you know, maybe not the right term for it, but I, I think it's something that we talked about in the podcast last week was about the tentativeness, the confidence, the, yeah. you know, why can't they come out and really assert themselves? And I feel feel like that they feel like they can't. And that's why I think he even said waded into the game t- today. He says that a lot, like, that's kind of the problems he's seeing is that they they're not able to assert themselves in that manner
1: yeah they're not dictating the pace of play enough for me um and i I, you know i I think that a lot of this goes back to as soon as they sort of got back into um the postseason picture and this was sort of halfway through the 10 game winning streak because they were really you know they were they were kind of where they are now before that Um, like you could sort of say, yeah, we're still in it, but you know, you're really not, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're three teams away from really getting into the playoffs. Um, but I, I just, I think as soon as they got sort of, you know, like a point out of the playoffs or or into the eighth slot, um, they started playing a lot more not to lose rather than the way they had before, which is sort of like, well, screw it. You know, it's like, we're kind of out of it. Let's just, you know, play loose and go for it. And I just, I think they played a lot better when they had that mentality. And I think as soon as sort of the pressure of winning games to stay in a race came up that they, you know, a lot of the players just, you know, for, for whatever reason, they're not able to handle it yet.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see some of that, too. And I think it's the constant talking about it. I I get the media has a job to do. I get, like, a lot of fans. They just want to see playoffs and wins and stuff like that. But it's the constant harping on it, like... We want the team to take it one game at a time. And it's just like the near hourly updates on a playoff race with four other teams with like 30 games left. It's just it's mind boggling. I I think it's the worst thing for them.
0: Now a score from the middle of the first period between the St. Louis Blues and Dallas Stars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just like. You know, well, the fact
1: I mean the, you know the fact of the matter is, is like, it, it's like whether a it's a playoff spot or not, that they, they've the, got to be able to compete with other teams inside the standings and not just on a game by game basis.
2: It's the you know, complete that, desperation for relevance. I mean, it, it's kind of embarrassing is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you think this team is good enough to have taken a step, they will be in this conversation every year. If they're not a bottom five team, they're gonna be in this conversation every year, so learn how to handle it.
1: <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's you know, that's what we're hoping they learn this year, and
2: and everybody, I mean, <laughs> yeah, after last year, any fun is great, which which I completely recognize, but it's just, yeah, I think. I think maybe it has freaked some of them out that this is like some sort of monumental chance they have to be one of four or five teams tied for the <laughs> the last wild card spot. Like, wow, he's climbed up well, to twenty fifth in I, the league. Well,
1: I think it goes a lot. I, I think it goes far beyond the players um, because yeah, it, you sort of what's well, what's been happening is it's just they've they've made certain changes to player usage. And how they play, you know, I, I don't want to put this on on Patrick Nemeth, but it's just, it, you know, from that point till now, he's been used so much more than he was beforehand. And I get that he's good at PK, and I get that, you know, he can block shots at the end of a game, sort of like Francois Beauchemin, and that maybe gives the coaches a little bit of confidence. But, you know, it, it's as soon as you started playing like that and sort of elevating – guys like Nemeth and, and over-elevating Colin Wilson and the Soderberg line and things like that, um, you've really gotten away from being aggressive and dictating play because c- those guys aren't really aggressive, dictating play kind of guys. And you, you've just sort of penciled yourself into being sort of a reactive, passive uh, type of team that that's kind of, I don't know, it's... It, you go a little low event in each game and what you're basically losing is your part of the events. You know, we've Steph, you and I have talked about this online before. It's like, I have said that I think when they go low event that they, they lose more often. And you said that that's because their end of low event goes away.
0: Right. And it's, I think that's not- totally, not the whole game is low of it's that they stop pushing for offense and just try to shell up. And right. then they can't be a lockdown defensive team. Yeah, they don't have the right. personnel. But we we've had this conversation earlier this season on this show where I I think it was towards the end of December, like before the streak started, but when they were starting to play well and look like a decent, you know, acceptable NHL hockey team. They were using, you know, their younger, talented guys, and yes, obviously Nathan McKinnon was lighting the world on fire, but it wasn't just Nathan McKinnon. And they were pushing the play, and they were making it happen, and they were winning games by trying to go out and score goals and win games, as opposed to relying on your older players, your veteran players, your guys that your coach quote-unquote trusts, and using them to try not to lose. We've we've had this conversation before.
2: Yeah, it's it's the problem between building and competing. It's it's you can't really do both at the same time, and and it keeps coming up time and time again. Is when they start, you know, adding a little bit of youth, they get a little bit of competitiveness, and then they can't handle what to do with that. And it it's like, um, it's like who scored the goals today? It was Joe and Kerfoot. And Joe's played what like he had some power play time, but it was something like seven minutes or something. So yeah. He was low
1: man for forwards. Five V five. And he
2: so looked we're getting, good
1: today. He did.
2: Yeah. So we're getting away from the process again. And, and then you'd say, well, we can do both. You know, we can try to try to win and get into the playoffs. And then also try to build at the same time, because we do have these rookies we're dressing, but it, maybe it comes back to the, you really can't, you can't compete commit to two different boats you have to commit to one boat and playing kids doesn't necessarily mean losing because we got to this point but it seems like when it comes to that they can't just stick with it they can't just trust that playing kids does lead to wins as well
1: and it's not like it's a huge thing either it's like you know we're talking about the difference between patrick nemeth playing 17 minutes and patrick nemeth playing 20 minutes or the Soderberg line playing 14 minutes and the Soderberg line playing 16 minutes.
0: Can we just be accurate and, and say Nimith playing 25 minutes? <laughs> yeah, that's a thing that happened.
1: <laughs> today?
0: Not today, but it has happened. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It exactly. It's just like clutching on to, to these wins by yeah, by overusing veterans. And then if you look into a bigger picture thing, it's like signing veterans or bringing in kind of roster filler. And it is that thing. Will they ever just commit completely to youth? And I understand you're not going to have a team full of rookies. You need to have some some balance there, but we do have balance. We have Soderbergh. We have EJ when he is alive, things like that. We do have the balance. But it's Yeah, I mean, just- it, was,
1: it was balanced during the winning streak. And, you know, as soon as they started – unbalancing it towards more vet than rookie uh you know that's when it started going away i mean it's it's just sort of you need to keep that balance of yes there are times when it's really good to put the carl soderbergh line out you know and there are times when it's really good to put patrick nemeth out but it's just that's that time is not every time all the time
2: and it's that mentality that keeps coming up every single time they have some sort of competitiveness. They, they're sniffing the playoffs. No, we can't get rid of Como because we want to be still remain competitive. As if Como is the difference between this team being competitive and not competitive. <laughs> and it comes up every single year. Think every year, like <laughs> trade all these people. And then the closer and closer we get to the deadline, no, we need him, we need him all the excuses roll in. So we're ready to roll in the excuses one week before the trade deadline, before it happens. You know, now we need Blake Como. Now we need this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, because, you know, we are within three points of a playoff spot. Therefore, nobody can go. Well,
1: all right. I will make a case that I think, I I, I think a guy like Blake Como is fine to keep and resign. Um, And that doesn't go. Yeah, they'll probably do that. I mean, um, you,
2: can't you hear? Well, it's June, and you know he had. You know, he just wants to see will. what's out there. I think there. they we'll really want to keep the keep phone line open. We'll keep the phone line open. It. We. J- he just wants to see what's out there.
1: Well, all right. Yeah, that that's definitely a thing that could happen too. But I mean, I I think I think the thought of keeping Como is a good one. Um, you know, it's and but I'm not going to say that for a lot of the other veterans. Um. But it's just, you know, I I agree that they, you know, that they have their crutches in the lineup, but it's, it's just difficult to see how they can go through a period like the last two weeks and just say, you know, what we're doing is right with usage. I don't know why it's not working
2: (laughs) because it's the compete level. It's the, you know, it's all the, you know, it's the EV play harder. It's the, it's on the players. And it's not. I know. I I don't know how the staff is
1: looking at that and just saying, like, I don't know what's happening. We're playing all these guys more than, you know, we're we're giving them all these minutes and it just, I don't know what's happening. You know, it just seems like they've, you know, they run into a wall and they can't figure out. They can't go back 15, 20 games and see, like, all right, what were we doing then and what was working? You know, it's like. It's just
2: the compete level. It's just the compete level. That's what they say. (laughs) I really do believe that's what they think it is. If you're not changing your lines, if you're not changing your approach, and this is what they're saying publicly, why would they think anything different behind closed doors?
0: Yeah. Well, I'd, no, like, it's, it's... I'd like to have some hope that uh, some of this overuse and over-reliance is going to get better, but now that the Avalanche are down Eric Johnson and Anton Lindholm, don't forget, they'll be bringing up a couple of defenders who can't really hold a, a strong... NHL presence—they're gonna have to over rely on the guys that we don't like playing a lot because that's what they've got. So yeah. it's uh, if, if you're still on that hanging on to people for a playoff run fence, I'm I'm thinking hop off of that fence. It's it's uh, it's, it's sell time, <laughs> baby. We gotta go. Yeah, I, I mean they, they, they,
1: they, to... were 11th, they were eleventh. They were eleventh at the beginning of the day today um, in the Western Conference. And you can say like, oh, well, you know, it's like they're only three points out, you know, that's not a lot with 25 games to go. And it's, you know, it's kind of not. But, you know, in, in reality, when you've been playing 500 hockey for the last two and a half weeks, that's just, you know, that it's probably not going to happen. They have to win. If they if they lose 10 more games, they're done. Um, so, you know, if you can if you think they can go through or sorry, it's nine now. Um, if they lose nine more games, they're done. And that's out of twenty-four. So,
2: and for me, it's the not—you're not chasing one team; you're chasing four, basically. Yeah.
0: Or in but it's a like you know—I
1: mean, one of has... them will—one of them might collapse, like the AVS. Um, Maybe.
0: Maybe it'll be Minnesota. Yeah.
1: Maybe it'll be Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know—I mean, all three of those teams aren't going to make it. You know, it's like somebody's like, going to do something that's screwed yeah. up and loses it for themselves.
2: Well, they have to um, pass Minnesota regardless and then yeah. hope that they pass three Pacific teams. Yeah.
1: You know, they got to get past, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, I, I think Dallas, you know, Dallas is now past St. Louis. So it's like St. Louis and Minnesota are the wild cards. Um,
0: and Colorado are still behind Anaheim. So yeah yeah In they Calgary. Pat, yeah pass
2: Anaheim and la or no
1: it's it's la now yeah la's out of the playoffs
2: I know then Calgary will have the Pacific spot so yeah. one of them will get the Pacific spot but then but then yeah you've you've got to pass Minnesota no matter what plus two of the Pacific teams
1: yeah so it's you know it it, it was a big ask anyway and it's just with these injuries it's just not going to happen and You know, I know we're all just frightened to death that they're going to do something like, you know, like Mike Chambers was suggesting and take some (laughs) of the stuff that they got in the Matt Duchesne trade and trade it away for something they need. And, you know, that just horrifies me that they would use long-term capital. Like, oh, you know, it's like we hardly even knew Shane Bowers, you know, what can we get (laughs) for him? Or, you know, it's like we got all these first round picks. I mean, do we need three? I mean, come on, that's a lot and oh, you know yeah
2: and he doesn't realize it's only one extra pick in each draft plus you yeah. you moved your face of the franchise to get these assets yeah picks any other way so but it's, this, you know if if, like- if they
1: if they go get something that long term can help the team I, I won't be horrified at it but it's just you know if they're thinking about fixing you know and and this is assuming of course that Eric Johnson and Anton Lindholm are out for all or most or a great part of the rest of the season, um, you know, if they think they need to to take some of the assets they got in the Matt Duchesne trade and and, and give them away for a short term fix, that's just uh, I mean, that's just killing you. I
2: mean, yeah, just, that would be horrible. You've you
1: just spent the last three years getting over doing stuff like that, and you know, you, you're finally getting out of the vicious cycle of signing terrible vets on defense and giving away picks at the, at the deadline um, you know it's like don't don't go back into that hole you know s- just stay the course
2: right like at some point maybe they can stop having to trade core players to get assets back.
1: Yeah, because if you you don't trade players away, you don't need to trade four players. It's just, it's crazy how it works like that.
0: (laughs) It's it's just been a banner weekend for Mike Chambers' opinions. I mean, in in a world full of clickbait bullshit, he let out the least clickable headline of all time the other day. The the avalanche (laughs) might do something, and the avalanche might do nothing. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Scrolling on by. He should love Bowers. He's a college boy. I know.
2: It's just uh, it yeah, he is
1: Canadian they, though, so uh, ah, we don't know about that, yeah
0: it's true. You can't, can't sure, trust when them.
2: you look at what they got back it, it is a lot, but then when you think about it, this is probably it for two years, <laughs> it's yeah. like when you get paid once a month, wow, that's a lot of money, and then you think you have to make it four entire weeks on that, yeah, but that's what the Matt Duchesne trade is. you got a lot <laughs> now, don't blow it,
1: yeah. And it's just like, you, I mean, I know a lot of fans are probably looking at it like, oh, you know, half those picks are, even, you know, they won't turn out to be NHLers anyway. And it's you're like, well, that's that's why you get a bunch. So you <laughs> definitely get one out of three, you know. I mean, one second round pick, yeah, it's not really worth that much. But if you have three, you got a really good chance of getting one really good guy out of that. So And
2: other organizations are better with second round picks. Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah, you should not be blowing your second round picks. But also, all these mid round picks that nobody cares about—that's where your goalies get drafted.
1: Yeah, whoa, that's whoa, where you, whoa, I mean, whoa, that's whoa, where
2: you whoa, get whoa, lucky.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> You're telling me you can draft goalies?
2: Yeah, especially if you don't throw away a top 100 pick every year.
0: Have then you thought that's about? Where the goalie pipeline um, comes from. Have you thought about writing Joe a letter so that explains how that works? <laughs> Tell Craig Billington.
1: I don't know how we're here to learn about being goalies. Oh, wait, he was a goalie.
0: Dang. Maybe we're right. Maybe he just doesn't talk to anybody.
2: Maybe someone Mm -hmm. should tell Craig Billington development doesn't happen through osmosis. That's something that maybe should be shared with him. Just a thought.
1: You don't develop in the weight room, son.
2: Yeah, working out or David Oliver's just got to work out and eat right. That's a path (laughs) to it and high
0: character it's all Let's, you need
1: well, Eat a, your way to the nhl in five steps with david oliver
0: <laughs> well to make a hard right turn with no segue uh nathan mckinnon returned today and what did you guys think about his game because his first like three shifts were absolutely electric and then i don't really remember seeing him again until he didn't shoot on the power play in the third
1: i think he was a little tentative um I don't, I, I don't think it was, you know, testing out the shoulder. I mean, I really think, you know, I, I think he was ready to go. And, and you know, if there, if there was an issue with the shoulder, he, he caged it well. Um, it's just, it, it, it looked like a guy that hadn't played in a little while. And he was just, you know, he, a 10 re- for the second off and stuff.
2: He really appreciated when, I think it was Larson threw him into the boards. So that was good. Yeah, that was, that first.
0: was nasty. Um, Not I saying don't... dirty, Nasty.
2: I don't know how uh, he ended up with the uh, shot attempts, but I know early on he was doing well. Yeah, um, At the end
1: of the second, he was top of the top of the class.
2: So, yeah, I don't know how he ended up, but that third is, doesn't matter really for anyone's stats. That third was just a complete circus. So, um, so yeah, I thought he did fine. Yeah. Maybe he was off on his shot, which that's kind of where you'd expect. We know he's been skating quite a bit, so his um. So I mean, skating. that post he
1: had, that post yeah. was a really, really good shot. I mean, that yeah. was, you know, I, I don't think he missed that because he was, you know, his shoulder hurt or anything like that. I just, you know, that would have happened anyway. It was a good shot. It was it was just a quarter inch to the left, you know?
0: Nathan McKinnon's shot numbers came in at plus 22, minus 18, five on five, which was good for second on the team in percentage behind plus four minus two from tyson
1: Jost. yeah but <laughs> yeah six minutes and 58 seconds
0: yeah, i
2: i had like <laughs> refresh that i was like no he didn't play that little and then i remember yeah. he was on the fourth line i was like oh geez um and it's
1: weird yeah that was weird because i mean they, they they i mean i granted it was a blowout but the, the fourth played a lot of minutes last game and they played very well and just as a side note, we noticed that yeah,
2: Nail Yakupov was not on the fourth line in either of those games. I thought Toninado uh-huh. did some good things again. I don't know. It's some people think he, he would... does nothing. I always see that he's on the puck and moving it forward when I see him on the ice. There There was a couple well, times where he jumped on a loose puck and turned it turned it up ice quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah that's,
2: that's what you want from a guy like him.
0: And there's also been a couple times where I wished he had a little bit more explosiveness in his skating because there was a, a couple of loose pucks that popped out to the neutral zone that a quicker skater could have reached and he just couldn't quite get to in time. Yeah,
1: there was a odd man rush he was defending that he was a little slow on, too. But, I mean, you know, he is what he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, the fourth it, line was was so weird today in that Jost was plus four, minus two. Bork was plus two minus four, I think, and Toninato was plus one minus six. And they those played are, most of their shifts together.
0: Those are exactly correct numbers. And what a memory. I'm going to pull up this linemate data here, and we're going to click on Tyson Jost and see that he played six minutes of his 755 with Gabriel Bork and about a minute less than that with Tony Onato. So...
1: Yeah, Toninato missed a couple of shifts in there.
0: Yeah. Um, where are you at, Tony? I don't know who you are.
2: Yeah, I don't know who has shifted with them. The broadcast quality was so bad that this was not a game where I noticed who was on the ice with who for the whole thing.
0: Yeah, the, I'm pretty sure that they had the 480p camera out tonight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little little hard to see the numbers all the time when, uh, when it's that low quality. But the alt angles looked good. I don't
0: know what was up with the main camera.
1: Well, it's really weird. I mean, again, for the first half of the game, they were rolling four, and you know, I I, like granted, the fourth line shifts were uh, uh, quite a bit shorter than everyone else's, and that you know, that's just generally how it works. But they they started playing them less or not at all after halfway, and that's when the nosedive happened. You're just sort of like, yeah, I'm not not saying you know they would have saved the day, but it's just it's that mentality of all right, we're going to lock this stuff down and no more fourth. And, you know,
2: it doesn't make sense, right? Because Jost was playing well to the eye. He's playing well in the shot attempt that you just mentioned. He scored the five on five goal and he had been playing more. So it's not like, oh, you know, in the, in the past game. So it's not like, oh, this is going to be too much for Jost. Like, why wouldn't you play him? Yeah,
1: I mean, game. you're trying to win the game. I mean, he, all right, I can see, again, I can see like maybe shortening up your bench a little bit when you get a lead, not playing the fourth as much. But, you know, when, once Edmonton came back, you know, it's like I mean, the dude is the one who scored for you and you're not playing him late in the third. So what's up with that? You know, yeah. I, I just, I don't understand some of the usage sometimes. And it's just, you, you can't yeah. expect the Soderberg line to go out there. <laughs> And win you the game. That shot was so
0: good. <laughs> it was. It
2: was, it was he's just
0: got a amazing. Great
2: shot a great
0: release. Like he's just quick th- through the defender off his back foot. I mean, I I was just like, oh, that's a Phil Kessel shot.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. when you know, what I'm seeing from him as far as where he needs to improve is getting in position to use that more, and that's yeah. just you know that's an experience thing.
0: And, and being on ice enough minutes to actually have those chances. Correct. JD. Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, that's, you know, all right, if you're, if you're going to bench Bork and, and Tononato, I can totally see that, but it just, you know, having the guy who scored your, your even-strength goal sitting there when you're, you know, when you're down by a goal late in the game, it's just... And just he's mad. been averaging
2: about, what, 15 minutes? Especially when yeah. McKinnon was out? Exactly so it's you know, not like... It,
1: it was a new thing that he was not in the top nine, so...
2: Right, uh, and I understand in the heat of the moment, you know, it's hard to kind of you know, hindsight all chemistry. this, but, yeah. but it is it's something that keeps coming back up. Yeah, the more you try to hold on to these things, clutch to the vets, the the more you, you try to hold your position and, and overthink it and all these things, right? You're undermining kind of the the process and the progress that you're making.
0: Yeah, and yeah. once the avalanche gets Sven ghetto back from injury, they're, and they're able to actually put together a, like a second full scoring line, I'll I'll be interested to see where Tyson Joe slots into that lineup. As of now, they are they seem like they're struggling to have a second top line. So, yeah. well,
2: it, it, it's been the thing that I've mentioned probably every week for months is the Soderberg line like I get it's function but it is not good enough
0: it's not good at that function to,
2: <laughs> to throw out every game as your second line no matter what
0: it shouldn't be it cannot and be a winning a second l- line a
2: lot of times that they've been killed in in the past few weeks
0: yeah I
1: remember I, I put up the stats for the first period and you know it's just Soderberg was second to last in, in, in the Corsi row I mean it, it's just you know, it, I understand that they can, you know, they they can hold fast in the defensive zone if you're in trouble. But the, you know, the other side to that coin is like they're in the
0: defensive zone for a reason. Carl Soderbergh was to... plus nine minus 17 against Edmonton. And yeah, they have
2: enough like... <laughs> forwards where they can make a real second line. Like you, Soderbergh, would give him Jost and Kerfoot or Jost and Kompf or something like that. That makes it a, a second line. Like, Matt Nieto does not need to be a second line player for the entire year.
0: I don't think you can have Carl and Kerfoot on the same line because someone has to shoot the puck. Yeah. Just. Just
1: to <laughs> shoot the puck. Two passers and one shooter, though. I don't know. <laughs> right.
0: I'm not a fan.
2: Well, whatever. Just mix it yeah. up. Hey, no, I mean, there's a way you can put points. this puzzle
1: together that it works. Yeah.
2: Mr. 35 points, you know. I wouldn't completely discount him as a second liner.
0: Right. So, do we want to uh, bounce back to Friday at all and talk about what happened against Winnipeg? Because that was, uh, it got out of hand on us. Well,
2: I guess oh. one kind of related thing I-, I wanted to touch on was the Yakupov thing that he's been scratched now twice, including that game. Is this the thing going forward? Are they done with Yakupov? You know, assuming no forwards get injured, then is this the lineup? Are they going to stick with Toninato? Was that just a one-game thing? What do you guys think about that?
1: I don't know. I'm I'm interested. Like last time, we thought that they were done with the is because he he ended up being sick. So, um, you know, I'm I'm wondering if he might have an in, a slight injury or something like that, and or or maybe they were you know they're going to send Tononato down tonight and um. This was sort of the the send off for him, but
2: well, they need an extra forward, so they really can't get rid of Toninato. Yeah. Um
1: I you know I, I I hope so. I really do. I just uh, I've seen what that fourth can do as far as you know play as a unit over the last two games, and it's you know it's nothing that impressive really.
2: Yeah, but... and I know Yak has a lot of a lot of fans. It's... I I don't really know what it's about. I don't know if it's Personality, which is admittedly great and fun and all that. But
0: well, you, you know, see I that
1: like shot, that and you're emotional. just like, you know, if he does manage to get that shot on goal, it, it might go in.
0: Yeah. Um, it might go through the goaltender.
1: Right. Um, but it's just, you know, I, I look at, um, you know, the, the, the previous game when it was Greer, Toninato, and Bork, they led the team in shots on goal that line at five individually. Um, and it just, you know, it, it wasn't just because they had a really easy matchup. It's just that, you know, they had some chemistry and they played as a line. Um, and th- and that's just something that never happens when Yaks out there because it's, you know, I, I mean, love him to death, but he just he doesn't play, you know, sort of in a system.
2: I mean, if it um, was him versus calling up like a AHL plug, I, I'd rather have him like I'd rather have him yeah, than Rocco, but for sure. But, you know, when we're trying to work in these rookies. And if Sven ever comes alive again, he's going to need to be in the lineup. Like, just where do you put Yak? And I think it's time that Greer needs to stay up. And I think it was no coincidence that a goal happened when he was on the ice with not, you know, he was on the ice with Soderbergh. And a goal happened. Yeah. They need to work towards that, and then just trying to get Yak in the lineup is like working away from that.
1: And he had two of those five shots in the last game. I mean, that's, you know, that's not to be discounted. I mean, it, it, he keeps playing a little bit better each time up. It's not huge galloping progress or anything like that, but, um, you know, you, you do see the progress, and you do see him adding things to that fourth line. Um, so I just did... You know, I, I would much rather see Greer back up and playing on that fourth line, even though I realize that you know, with, with the way injuries and, and people recovering will probably go, that um, it, it might be a while before we see him again. But you know, I really liked that line of Greer, Toninato, and Bork together uh, because they they had a purpose. They they you know, you had Bork, who's you know, he's solid defensively. He's very fast. He can forecheck very well. Toninato you know he he's a good center he's not inter- you know he's not incredibly creative or anything like that but he can control the center of the ice well enough as a center and he's very responsible and you know Greer can get good shots off he forechecks well and he's not bad in the defensive zone i mean i think that's the kind of fourth line you really want um so it's <clears throat> for me it's tough to to say that that Yak is is good to be in the lineup again when you have other options.
2: Yeah, if they could dress like 15 forwards, I'd have no problem with Gag. Yeah. You can use them on the power play, you can throw them out there in offensive situations, but when you have guys that have a future, well, just time is Putting him
1: out than there for now. regular shifts, yeah. <clears throat> so, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that there's any interest in, in Yakupov out there in, in NHL land for the trade deadline. But, um, you know, it would be nice if someone took him off the abs hands.
0: Well, that's yeah, probably not going to happen, but we can, it's probably can not going to happen. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, if, if we don't think they are going to be able to deal yak, who, I mean, we talk about Como every single week on this show. who, who, who are the Avalanche trade targets? This trade deadline, I don't mean overall, so I don't think Tyson Berry is on this plate. But for, for the next week, like, who do we expect to maybe find a new home? And who can they get away with, with sending in, in a trade without really desperately hurting the team?
1: Well, I'm writing an article on this tomorrow. Um,
0: so give us the fifth notes.
1: I, I think probably the most likely to move is... Uh, Colin Wilson, actually. Um, I, I think actually this whole trade deadline around the NHL, it's going to surprise a lot of people because I think rentals are sort of out of fashion. And I think sort of building with guys that have a little bit of term, not a ton, <clears throat> um, might become attractive for some teams. And I think Wilson fits that. And I, I just, I think Wilson's not a very good fit on the Avs, and I think everybody knows it. So it w- it would be a good good guy to move on from. I think after him, it's probably Como, but I, I just I, I really get the feeling that the ABS are gonna uh, keep him and, and re-sign him this summer, uh, or at least try to. Um, and after that, you get into like the sort of Soderberg and Barry situations, which you know are wild long shots. I think you have to trade Rocco. Yeah, he's going to be a Group Six free agent, so they're going to lose him. Um, even if you just sort of get Rocco from another team, uh, why not? Um, you know, I he's think they're much up. at the AHL level, f- and with Kamenev coming back probably around the trade deadline, you know, you, you don't need that sort of guy that you don't really want to play that much coming from the AHL. You've got Kamenev who you actually do want to play, so, um, you know I don't think he's he's going to have a role over the next couple of months other than <clears throat> sort of not score that much for San Antonio, so you may as well get rid of him and I, I you know before today's injuries, I, I, I thought that that Chris Bieger might be a good target for a trade just because it's just not working out here, and he'd be a an attractive target for a project for another club. So, I, I mean, again, I don't think you could get much for Chris Bigra, but it, it just, you know, you might get the same guy from another club kind of thing. And, you know, it, I, I think I was looking at it today, I think 10 out of 12 trades so far this year, being this year, 2018, since January, have been AHL trades. So they're, you know, that's sort of what's, what's been happening for the past couple of months. So. You know, I think teams are looking for guys like that, like Soshnikov, that, you know, kind of don't have a, a place in a an organization, but still have some value.
2: I think one name you didn't mention is Nieto. I think it's possible. Yeah, he's an RFA. <laughs> I could see them bring him back, but I just don't see what he does that they absolutely need on the roster that that couldn't be replaced with others.
1: Yeah, he's so inconsistent. Like, one week you're like, oh, man, I could bring the Edo back. He'd be great. And then the next week you're like, you know, did he play?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I you know, I, just... I don't think he's as defensively solid as that role they're putting him in. I think. I don't think
1: so either. But, I, I, I mean, I think he works there just because of his speed kind of balances out the fact that Carl doesn't have any.
2: So That's what, he's, that's what he's... he
1: adds to that line, good or bad. I don't, you know. I, yeah, I'm not I mean, saying I, mean, I like it. But...
2: <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I could see them bring him back because he's an RFA and
1: He's from Long Beach.
2: <laughs> and I mean ideally if he was like a twelfth, thirteenth forward, but I just think they have so many others that they need to work in and um and I agree about Rocco. They need to get rid of him and I hope they do not bring back ahl players because they need they have way too many forwards they need to keep odin in the ahl they need to bring nantel back to the ahl the blues are starting to send way too many players down if they buy at the deadline they're gonna have maybe even more forwards down there
1: i'd love to get jolie i mean i know it would kill colorado but i'd love to get jolie in san antonio for the rest of the regular season you know
2: and I think with Greer back and with this new Sanford guy that the blues have decided to send down for conditioning. Like I understood it when they had like Thompson and Blay and like their prospects there, but now the blues are using San Antonio for their conditioning, which I'm not okay with because now guys that are getting conditioning are taking time away from our prospects and it's just going to get worse. And, they need to move out forwards in San Antonio and not get forwards back. That would be the worst thing that could happen. So move Whoa, Rocco for a great. seventh. And Just hold
1: on a second here. If they get a defenseman, wouldn't that be even worse? <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> if we're assuming Linholm and EJ have died. Just tr-
1: make then... it one big trade. Trade them all for one goalie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously keeping Melosh in... In the AHL and getting development. Like, it should not be this difficult for two, all of two of your better prospects to play in the AHL. It should not be this hard. It should not have to take the stars aligning between two organizations, two NHL organizations, one AHL organization to have development for two players. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, they need to move Rocco out. If they could get something for Agazino, He could go to, I would move pretty much anyone in the AHL.
1: Not Patrick, though.
2: I would Mm. move Patrick. I would move anyone that's not Greer, Toninato, Kamenev, Bowden, Nantel. I mean, they probably don't even care about Nantel anyway. So if they traded him, it probably wouldn't make a difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be really nice if you could get a pick for any of these guys. That's why, like, bigger for a pick. Like, if you could do a Sashnikov kind of deal, and I'm not saying he'd get a fourth, but, like, you know, if you get a sixth for him, maybe.
2: I think he's more valuable than that. He, I,
1: I mean, if he could like, get, yeah, if he get a get fifth a or a, a fourth for him, that'd be fantastic. I
2: don't know. I think he has a little bit more value, but...
0: <laughs> he has to show it. He At the NHL yeah. level, he has never shown it. At, at least... At least with Toronto, Soshnikov looked like he belonged, in you know, within an NHL role. Just not, you know, he was too low on their specific depth chart.
1: Yeah, um, it's you know, it it it's tough to to see how they're going to go. Like I I know that they definitely will make a couple of AHL trades. I I have no doubt because they always do. And, it's and like then they'll you, bring again. Guys. You actually you, you have to trade Rocco. <clears throat> <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, it's just—I mean, it's dumb not to. He's not coming back, so you may as well get someone who might, you know, someone who gets a twenty-game tryout.
2: But then you get guys like Matt Clark, and then they stay for two years. One like team at that's the kind of trade that they <laughs> AHL trade that they make.
1: No the guys Joe with canada. mustaches for eyebrows
0: no
2: joke not have happened
0: but it, but it, if they want to make like three rehashes of the Cameron Gaunts for Tomas sword trade i'm I'm not gonna be that upset about it and if they make zero of them, I'm also not gonna be that upset about it. I really don't think those trades yeah. really matter too much. It's better than doing nothing when you're in a when you're kind of floundering, but I mean not yeah. super impactful there'll be There'll be plenty of time um next Monday to break down what happens what what hasn't happened and where the avalanche will go from there um, with respect to the trade deadline Will we just kind of chill and record a nice calm Monday late afternoon early evening podcast oh so, yeah we'll be calm oh yeah
1: stop by for a nice hot cup of talk
0: so we've, we've mentioned <laughs> uh, mentioned injuries to everybody except for Jonathan Bernier
1: yeah
0: remember when he got hit checked into the post
1: yeah, that was terrible. I, You know, you look at what happened after, and you're just sort of like, yeah, that's, he probably had a concussion there. Um,
2: Seems like Winnipeg's always good for one of those gems.
1: I, I mean, the dude got hit, and then he hit Bernier with his butt. So, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think he was trying to do
2: it. <laughs> 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 no, probably not, but those things just kind of happen with yeah. Winnipeg. No, I'm not trying to call the guy dirty either. I don't even know who it was, but it's just those things seem to happen against Winnipeg. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Then there's the more intentional. <laughs> or
1: Edmonton now.
2: <laughs> like like when Bufflin skated through the crease and just accidentally hit Varley in the head. But, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah. We, we know all about Bufflin and his slime. Yep. So,
2: yeah, does the hamburger play? Can Varley hold up every other game? Well, let's look at the schedule. It's every other day. Today every other day.
0: is the 18th. They play the 20th, 22nd, 24th, 26th, 28th, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 13. And they don't have a back-to-back for a full month. So, I think Varley plays every single game. Bard of Catastrophe.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <can we?
0: laughs>
1: that's the you know that's that's the question. Hopefully if he can't they they don't find out until after the deadline so they can't do something stupid about that too. Is um, it better
2: for Hammond's value to, to play or not play? I guess we would say well, not. Play. I don't think we're
1: gonna trade him, so it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you trade him then you're left with what, Spencer Martin?
1: Joe Kanata, yeah. I mean,
0: if if you trade him and you have three goaltenders in your entire system.
1: Yeah.
2: You think it's going to be that long for Bernier? Like,
0: they said he has to. I don't think we can know. Protocol. I mean, it could be yeah. tomorrow
1: or it could be five weeks from now. Who knows? It could, it
0: could be next season. Concussions or voodoo.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Just
2: the way they said protocol, Protocol's kind of like a week. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think you have to go symptom free for a number of days before you can be re evaluated and. I'm-
0: <clears throat> yeah, cleared, that, but, they can call it protocol all they want, but concussion protocol is you come off the ice and they evaluate you. It, that doesn't... Two days they later said, isn't protocol. They said no, when you're diagnosed,
1: right. you have to be they symptom-free for a couple of days before they let you in.
2: Like, during the game, they said protocol, but they were saying that last yesterday was... Bernier was in protocol, and that was yesterday.
0: Yeah, Which I, I mean, just
2: found was an interesting way to put it.
0: Maybe I'm misunderstanding how everyone's using the word protocol, then.
2: Well, like, the, when the they protocol... pull you in a game, yeah. they're testing you, so you could come if, if you pass, right? So that's protocol. Yeah, like but I'm saying, passed
1: it twice already this year in a game.
2: Right. But when, um, I'm saying yesterday during practice, it was obviously the next day, and they said he was still in protocol, so that's not the initial protocol to determine if you have a concussion—that is, the, yeah, it means he
1: failed. Yeah, right. So protocol. obviously,
2: but I'm just saying, he, if he's already kind, if he felt better, then he's starting to go through the steps. Is I guess maybe what I'm saying that could indicate,
0: yeah, that like that makes sense that they're just gonna make kind of waiting to see if the symptoms come back or not.
2: Right. Exactly. The then you start working out, then you get on the bike whatever
0: mm-hmm. but
2: you know i'm just saying i just thought it was interesting that they use the word protocol to, to to explain his status at practice but so that made me hopeful that maybe it could be a week or something but but like you said with concussion you never know they're not back till they're back yeah you know, we'll see
1: i mean we saw with petrick down in the AHL that you know he he came back from a concussion skated took contact then stopped
2: yeah, that yeah, was unfortunate. <clears throat> so, he took a really nasty hit, too. That was that was is. too bad. Yeah. He's back so, now.
1: He is, and he's scoring lots of goals, which is nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's one of those things with Bernie that you, you just, you know, you really hope that, you know, he doesn't have to go through what a lot of guys have gone through with having to sit in a dark room for months on end. And, you know, he can <clears throat> start – exercising and then pass the tests he needs to pass and gets back in the lineup quickly. And we don't have to worry about, you know, more goalie issues than we already have.
0: Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd just like to uh, close this segment out with a plea for calm and patience because I'm going to read off the names of some injured players and y'all are going to fill me in with the ones that I forget about. Cause there's so goddamn many Jonathan Bernier, Eric Johnson, Anton Lindholm, Mark Barbario, Sven Andrigedo, and now tell me who I've already missed.
1: Vladislav Komenev.
0: Uh, yeah. He's almost back to life. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> it, <clicked> actually. <laughs> I, th- I think you got the whole list. It's but just Those are all names set. that are very high on the depth chart and, sl- and like you were trying to say before I, for some reason, didn't let you talk. Sorry. Um, they're very set in their position in the roster. So... Um, it's just pretty sad
2: that the day Barry comes back, McKinnon gets hurt. The day McKinnon comes back, EJ gets hurt. And
0: exactly. And this
2: is, it's still just so early for us. Obviously this just happened a couple hours ago.
0: So this is a team whose top level depth is very thin. They have like a good pair and a half and they have about a, a good line or two of forwards. Um, and their goaltending is very inconsistent. So when you take away all that depth and you're left with, like like, take away some of the thin good layer at the top and the depth is just fully exposed. And in the next week, the avalanche are definitely going to want to try to see what, what assets they can add for their, uh, for the players that they do still have. And uh, I just want to say heads up because this, this playoff race that everybody's been paying attention to it's, it's not Gone. happening for the reasons we already talked about, but it's about to get a little bit worse, so let's just <coughs> try to not freak out too much, please. I can't handle it.
2: Dabs uh, <laughs> aren't dumb enough to, like, try to buy their way to stay in, right? Like, they see they're are not. They? What? I'm saying, <laughs> are they dumb enough? I'm saying, right? Like...
1: I hope not, but I... Like, I if, if I they
2: had started the Wouldn't day, put it past them. Cross yeah, your fingers, cross your toes. God, we'd be a little more scared, but since they didn't even start today in a playoff spot like and you can't you there's nobody you could buy realistically to replace an EJ so
0: mm-hmm. I want to believe uh Joe's got a week yep. to prove me wrong. I I want to believe so
1: a first and Bowers for tanev
2: we <laughs> the rent of Mike Green. Like I, I saw some comment on Twitter. I think they wanted McCarr and something else for Mike Green. <laughs> uh, and, and and that reminds
1: me. I, I, just before you know, a, a people are already saying like, oh, let's you know, let's get McCarr or Timmons up. And you know, first of all, Timmons is injured and probably will be for. Of course, he a while. Yeah. Um, and McCar season will end fairly soon, but we don't want to sign any of them and have their contracts go in force as pros this season because of the expected expansion draft in a couple of years. If we don't put them into pros this year, they will not be eligible for the expansion draft. So, yeah, that- there are plenty of reasons, and I wouldn't want to see either of them in the NHL anyway this year. Um, but there are plenty of reasons why. McCar and Timmons are not options
2: well, to Timmons help the defensive situation. The Sioux lose, which right. they're never going to lose, so that that yeah. that's just not even an option at all. But <laughs> yeah, the McCar thing's definitely going to come up, and I'm sure once they announce a timetable for EJ, it's going to be like, well, you know, we could use McCar, and it's going to be exactly yeah. that. Is that? Uh, he is
1: totally not ready to play in the nhl (laughs) and you'd be exposing him to an expansion draft by doing so and it's just there's no reason to do
2: it and i think a lot of teams are going to be forced with that decision because i know a lot of kids that come out of college want that first year burned in order for them to sign and if it's explained to them as we don't want to lose you in the expansion draft that just might be the way it goes so, yes. yeah, that that pretty much takes out signing McCarr this spring at all. However, he could still play in the AHL, and that does yeah, not Yeah, I was going to say, hurt. he can
1: sign a contract for next year and get an ATO with the Rampage, yeah. assuming they have any spots open for defensemen.
2: Yes. Which and is a so big that,
1: ask. Yeah, you never know.
2: Well, um, if, if Lindholm and EJ never come back, that helps. Yeah,
1: there's lots of spots now. <laughs> that um, helps. Yeah. <laughs> But that's you know, what once the once the deadline passes by, we're, we're gonna start getting into some of the college guys ending their seasons and uh, soon after some of the junior players will have their seasons end. Um, you know, we, we can touch on that in a couple weeks, but
2: And of it's, course it's, the thing It's we not want something to that's gonna help the
1: abs right now, I can yeah. tell you that.
2: Nah. It's to have the guys healthy, of course. Yeah. don't want to make it yeah. sound like that like i'd rather have ej be injured so mccarr could play in the hl like it, it shouldn't it shouldn't come to that either right like you should what a great you.
1: deal he's injured now mccarr gets to play
2: ah. well you what shouldn't a great plan deal. you How shouldn't play your w. franchise <laughs> where hey this guy gets development only if we have five injuries oh okay <laughs> <laughs> now now we can use our AHL team for development.
0: This is yeah. some real chaotic evil shit we got going here.
2: <laughs> it's true. Yes.
1: Yeah. Having having three top of six defensemen out means that our development has a shot at working. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um do we want to mention call up possibilities? Yeah, briefly. Um and obviously we don't know any timetable anything like that um so that makes it a little harder but
1: yeah if, if both if both lindy and ej are out we're left with the four guys that ended the game plus duncan siemens on the roster which isn't enough to play a game so they will have to call at least one guy up and probably two would be better um but they're not they're not a lot of great options um you know, I I know they've probably promised Mironov umpteen times that he'll get a shot this year, so he's definitely a candidate. I'd I'd rather see Chris Bigra get one last shot, so they know what they're doing when they trade him at the deadline. Same. Uh, um. So th- those are two kind of the you know the easy picks. There's also David Warsawski, who sort of subbed for Barry a little bit.
2: I think he's yeah. kind of the easy pick, Warsawski. He's he's the safe yeah. pick.
1: He is the safe pick. If they don't I, care about trading Grau or what Miro thinks, then then I'd expect him up.
2: But are they actually yeah. going to play Duncan? Like he he's kind of taking the warm body spot, and I think you know. Yeah, I don't know they'd, what they'd, they'd play him. I'd rather play Duncan pick. than Miro. <laughs> but do they? I, I'm not even sure about that. Like. If you had to play one game, they would do it. But now, when they're faced with the guy huh? that's on the roster, will play every game.
1: I don't know. I mean, I watch Duncan and Miro play all the time in the AHL, and I would take Duncan out of ten times out of ten over Miro.
0: But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's options is the point, and yeah. they're not good. What,
2: what I yeah. think they would do, maybe start with Warsawski and Duncan, give him a game or two, and then swap him for Bigraw.
1: Which, with yeah, the I deadline mean, I,
2: I th- coming... Yeah,
1: yeah, again, before the deadline, they can do a lot of moves real... You know, they can rotate guys real quick in and out, and after the deadline they get four moves, so they need to figure out before the deadline who are their two guys are going to be.
0: right, And how hurt these other two are.
1: Yeah.
2: And Barbario, if he's an option or not, like...
1: Yeah, that's going to play right, into he's it.
2: Feeling better, but Remember Mark if, Barbario? Yeah.
1: Remember Barbario?
2: If he's an option to play, like, I'm I'm sure he's not going to play on Tuesday, but if no. he's an option within a week or something, that, that could maybe change their plans as well.
0: I just don't think I mean, anyone know.
1: Yeah, it's like he hasn't even been upgraded to week-to-week yet, as far as we know. Or maybe he's week-to-week now, but he has to be at least day-to-day before he starts skating, right?
2: Well, they said he was feeling better, but no, he hasn't skated yet, so that's that's not a great sign. But then we don't know what he does, you know, away from the team, if he's been skating or not. So We don't no, even know what's wrong with him. Practice. Yeah, which is kind yeah. of odd. It didn't seem serious. When he missed
0: the first game and he hasn't been back. Yeah, but now a yeah, month's I mean, gone by and he's still
1: MIA. Yeah, that's you know someone was mentioning maybe as a concussion the other day, and that that would make some sense. <clears throat> you know, a, a hit that we didn't see, and yeah, we knew we knew his ankle was messed up, but you know maybe it's something more like a concussion, and that's why it's just. You know, nothing's That's happening.
2: possible. I mean, Bednar did say feeling better, which
1: yeah, that's what kind of clued me into that. Is just like, you know, when when I injure my ankle and it starts feeling better, I don't say <laughs> I'm feeling better. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's an interesting way to put it. Like they just kind of blamed it on the lower body, at, and when they couldn't figure out which one coma was, he was kind of maybe he has the
1: mumps. Oh God. <laughs> We haven't seen him because he's been isolated
0: (laughs) Gotta keep him separated (laughs) So It's been a depressing week Colorado stole a game And got destroyed Mm -hmm. And then lost to the Oilers Who suck So Not great But But
2: maybe they'll Win in Edmonton with Farley, right?
0: Just Yeah. Uh, well, maybe, because <laughs> next week is another busy one for the Avalanche. It's what We seems play the like... same teams
1: we always do. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it seems like it's their 20th st- swing through Western Canada this month. On Tuesday, they'll be in Vancouver for an 8 o'clock Mountain start with the Canucks. Then on Thursday, it's going to Edmonton for a 7 o'clock Mountain date with the Oilers, who we did literally just see. And then we'll wrap up the week on... Uh, I wrote Sunday. I think it's Saturday. Isn't it Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, it's Saturday. Yeah, we wrap up the week on Saturday with a 2 o'clock mountain matinee in Calgary against the Flames, and I'm predicting 6 points. Book it. Because that wouldn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a
2: tall task to win every game this week.
1: I'm going to predict 3 points. 3 overtime losses.
0: That would... Okay, so I will <laughs> give you. <laughs> I will give you that the game in Vancouver will 100% go to a shootout. Yeah, we'll call- just so it can
2: end after.
0: 1 after PM yeah, Not one p.m., one
2: a.m. on the east coast. Yeah, but they're still. And don't yet. forget,
1: we play we play Vancouver at home again a week from tomorrow. Oh, well, a week from and Monday, Calgary. which you probably are listening on Monday, but.
2: That is Calgary. the trade deadline day. And then the following game will be against Calgary. So not only did they go to the same... Doing the same road trip twice in a month. They are playing the same teams at home when they get back. Yeah. um, I'm going to say two points. I'm sorry. I just... They're Two overtime high. losses
1: or, or one win? No,
2: I, I think they'll outright... You know what? I think they will outright win that Edmonton game. Whew. Varley will will conquer his demons. They'll get payback for this game. Because Edmonton's not good. They're not. No, they're not. Are
0: you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. And their PK
1: is really bad at home. Hmm. We found out today it was okay on the road, though.
0: Well, well the Avalanche power play is even worse on the road.
1: Yeah,
0: I think the (laughs) irresistible
1: object versus the immovable force. So
0: please, in the interest of watchability, please, Edmonton, don't take any penalties in that game. Please just don't do it. I don't want to see two teams turn the puck over to each other in the neutral zone for two minutes over and over. Please. No.
2: I think they'll play Vancouver close and lose. I think they'll beat Edmonton. And then I think they won't be close against Calgary.
0: Well, Nathan McKinnon has shaken the rust today, and he will come back with nine goals this week and carry the avalanche across the finish line to a six-point week.
1: Oh, how sweet would
0: that be? Number one, because it doesn't make any sense at all, and number two, because it'll make the tread deadline as hard as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would anything other than chaos happen? Like, just be real. I'm not saying I'm rooting for it. I'm saying that's what's going to happen.
2: Blake Como looked like he's about 24 years old today, so... He'll probably be the star of the week. Maybe. And then they won't trade
0: him. (laughs) Maybe Blake Como will (laughs) score nine goals. There you go. I think so. Maybe Gabe Landis will get back on the score sheet. There you go. I mean, we we knew he was going to fall off hard, but... Ow. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Well, whether it's two, three, or six points, you know you can find out here. Um, you can always check the podcast out at soundcloud.com burgundyradio or at mixcloud.com burgundyradio or at iTunes library slash click on Radio or in the Google Play Music Store or in your favorite podcatcher. There's so many of them. I'm sure that everyone knows which one is the 100% best wink. The show is always posted on burgundyrainbow.com. Check that out this week for Earl's trade deadline extravaganza, as well as links to the Discord where you can join the conversation all day, every day about God knows what. We get into some to some wild things in there in there sometimes. So we will see you again most of the day on next Monday, the twenty-sixth, and we will be able to come at you live that evening. So. Keep your head up get to the dirty areas, play some metro you cowards, and we will see you on next Monday. It is Joe scores! scores! Surely that's gotta be it! This week's episode is brought to you by Nathan McKinnon. Man, this is it a lot more fun to watch the avalanche with him on the ice? For two whole periods. <laughs> what do you mean for two whole periods? <laughs>
2: Until the other part of the team died.
0: Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean he was still fun, but yeah. He was? <laughs>